We have five guys from our church this morning that are going to be sharing promises. Uh, so we've got Joe Garcia, Justin Henson, Chris Keener, Scott Sachs, and David Lynn. And uh, there'll be five of them coming up, and it'll be really easy to just be a whirlwind of activity, and you'll come out of here thinking, wow, I, I heard a lot of verses, but I'm not sure what I actually got out of it. So my encouragement to you guys, because it will go fast, is to listen for one promise that you can hold on to. And why is that important? Because uh, and we talk about this being a Christian faith, and if you use the word faith uh, just in everyday life, I mean, I was actually talking to someone earlier this week about faith, and it was sort of this nebulous idea of, I hope this happens, it'd be really cool if it did, I'd, I'd like it to happen, but there's no substance to it. And that is not at all what our Christian faith is. It isn't just vague hope that something might happen. We have truth of things that God promises to do for us, things that he will do, promises in his word that will happen. But if we don't know what those promises are, our faith is vague and nebulous, but it doesn't have to be. We can have strong truths that gird and uh, build a foundation for our hope in Jesus. So as you listen to these guys, just listen for one. What's the one that you can hold on to this week that is that truth, that is important for you, that God wants to say to you, a promise that he will do for you? Um, so I encourage you, listen for that one and hold on to it. Uh, so I think Joe Garcia, and you're up first. Uh, Joe was already up here earlier, but uh, he leads our children's ministry with Cindy. So yeah. go for it, Joe. Thanks. Hi, good morning. Oh, yeah, um, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles uh, that we would like to uh, let you borrow for just a little bit. Um, I don't think you can keep them, but um, but it'd be helpful to, to look up the promises that we have because they will be straight from from the scriptures. Um, okay, so we got that. If, uh, did that just happen, or if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. And okay, good, awesome, thanks. All right, let's let's get, go ahead and get started. Um, uh, hi, my name is Joe. Um, does the thought of obedience to Jesus weigh you down? Uh, does obedience feel like adding to your already long list of things that you got to do? Uh, if, if that's the case, uh, I, I've been in that position before, and I'm so glad for this promise that Jesus speaks to, which is found in John 15, verses 10, 11, and 12. Um, awesome, it's up there before. Cool. Um, so let me read that to you. It says, if you keep my commandments, this is Jesus speaking, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, that's John fifteen ten through 12. Uh, this passage has been alternately, alternately uh, convicting and encouraging to me as I seek to follow Jesus. Oftentimes I can feel burdened by, uh, and overwhelmed by doing good deeds. But when I commit to doing good deeds out of love for Jesus... He promised that he would fill my heart with joy. And that's good news to me, because I could use all the joy I can get. So let's take a look at his commandment. The commandment is found in, in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I think it's important to notice that Jesus' command is not simply just to love. A lot of people can kind of look at that and, and just try to will themselves to love everybody. And and that's just never a good idea, because you will, you will fail at that. Uh, or... I have. Maybe you won't, but I do. Um, and I think Jesus is distinctly clear that his commandment is to love others as I have loved you. So what does that mean? How does Jesus love me? Uh, as I looked through the scriptures and I kind of remembered uh, my own experience, I remembered that I, I've seen Jesus' love for me in that he, he left heaven, he left the glories of heaven to come to live on this dingy, smelly, muddy earth. For me, he did that for everybody. But he did that. He did that for me. Uh, he lived a sinless life, and even though he was perfect in, in and sinless, he was beaten, tortured, and died as a punishment for my own sin, for my own shortcomings, for my own mistakes. And it was on the cross that he received the Father's wrath for my sin. Now he conquered death when he rose again three days later after after dying. He conquered death, and, and by doing that, by, by coming and living, being perfect, and, and dying and raising again from the dead, he bridged the gap between uh, my sin, myself, and the Father's love. And that was just awesome. And 
when I was 21, he, he demonstrated this love for me specifically uh, by showing me that my heart was stubborn and prideful and angry and selfish and self-serving. And he, he exposed me in that way out of love. And he showed me that even though my heart was, was full of all those things, uh, he loved me. And he offered me forgiveness. And by his grace, I accepted both his love and his forgiveness. Um, so as I received his love and his forgiveness, he calls me to show that same, love, that same kind of love and forgiveness to those who have wronged me. Um, uh, let me see here. So if we could take a look at the, the promise real quick. Um, that's found in verses 10 and 11. The promise is, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So just to recap, because of, of, because of Jesus, I had access to the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of God. And because I had received that, I was to show that kind of love to others. Um, and again, just to, to recap, the, the promise that keeping my commandments, if you keep the commandments of God, they are good, and therefore are good. And the commandments of God will help you to abide in God's love. Abide means to dwell or to stay in. Um, and the joy of Jesus will stay in you, and his joy will fill you up. I was able to kind of practice this just yesterday. Um, you wouldn't know what to look at me, but I have a cowboy hat. It's, it's not quite 10 gallons, more about 5, but I have great memories associated with that hat. These memories involved me actually uh, robbing a, an actual train. The robbery was pretend, but the train was real. It was a real steam engine train. And I wore the hat, and I had spurs that, that jingled and jingled, jingled and jangled, and they jingled again also. Um, uh, so I had great memories with this hat. So you can imagine how distraught I was when I found this hat in in this state. Um, it, for those of you who can't see, it, it's about half the size that it, that it, that it should be. Um, and it, it went from being the suave, distinguished hat to that hat that the, the town drunk wears, which is just not what I was going for at all. But So I found this hat... Um, at, at the bottom, in that condition, at the bottom of a toy chest with a ton of toys on top of it. Uh, so anger and frustration kicked in, and, and that anger and frustration was directed at w- one member of my household uh, <laughs> who had removed it from its original place and, and decided to place it and keep it and store it at the bottom of all his toys, or her toys. Uh, so... So like I said, anger and frustration kicked in. And uh, but if I'm to love my child, oh shoot, okay, yeah, okay. If I'm to love my child as, as Jesus loved me, um, or anybody as Jesus loved me, uh, that means uh, that means I should show him or her that forgiving that forgiving love that, that Jesus showed me. Um, and, and the good news is, um, I, I I need and I get to ask Jesus for that help. So it's not something that I have to do on my own. I can ask him for help and remember that how much he loved me, and then I can, I can show that to my kid. Um, and as we did that, and as I did that, uh, some, some amazing things happened. There was restoration of relationship. There was, I asked forgiveness for him, and, and he forgave me, and I forgave him, and there was joy brought. And, and, and man, it was the sweetest hug that, that we were able to kind of hug it out. It was beautiful. Now, there's a parallel here between... Um, do you know what I experienced with, with, with my kid and what we experience as, as God has called us to serve in our church or in our DNA group or in our, or in our home groups or in our DNA groups? Because we, we will have tons of opportunities to live this out. Feelings will get hurt and we will be let down and disappointed. But Jesus promises that if we seek to love others as he loved us, he will fill us with joy. And I know that smashed hats sometimes don't compare to, to the feelings that get smashed. And oh, that's good—the feelings that get smashed as as we as we experience hurt. Um, but the good news again is that Jesus wants to help us. He wants to help me. He wants to help you, and He will. Uh, so that that that's good news. And and as we as we live that out, Jesus promised that we will get joy.
And this joy will help, it helps me love the unlovable. This joy compels me to engage in hopeless situations. And it, this joy endures sorrow. Um, and it's this joy that desire, that helps me desire to bring glory to Jesus and his kingdom. And, and all of that might sound epic and grand, and it, it might be, but all of these epic and grand things are built on the building blocks of forgiving each other daily on a daily basis as we live in, in community with one another, as we live in community with our family. Um, those little things build up to the, these epic things of, of loving the unlovable or engaging in hopeless situations and, and all those things. Um, and so this, this joy helps me to, um, to expect, expect and experience joy as I love and serve my wife and my kids. It helps me to assume the best of the people in my home group as I, I seek to live and serve them. And it also helps me to experience joy or, or desire to experience joy as I, I talk with my friends and my coworkers and my family about the love of Jesus and his offer of salvation to them. Um, now, there, there is a whole lot more that can and should be said about this. This is not meant to be exhaustive, um, but my, my hope is that this will raise tons of questions, and that's fine. I would love to open up a dialogue and discuss what, what this means and how, the, how we apply this practically. Um, but again, the good news is here that Jesus promises, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my, promises, uh, my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So if you're following Jesus, or if you'd like to start following Jesus, and you are not experiencing soul-satisfying joy, stop what you're doing. I would strongly encourage you to, to follow him with the expectation that as you seek to obey his commandments, the result is, uh, is that in the deepest part of your soul, you will experience joy. And that joy is Jesus touching your heart. And what could be better than that? So, thanks. Oh, I'm just glad that Joe's finally forgiven me about the hat incident yesterday. So, well, good morning. My name's Justin Henson. And uh, before this morning, before we go over the promises that I want to cover, I'd like to go over a few uh, lyrics from some popular songs you may or may not know. Uh, some of them are from when I was younger, so there's a lot of people who might not know them. So I'll go ahead and start off. The, and, and all these lyrics are from uh, uh, musicians that are not Christians, so, but they help me make the point of what, we're trying, what I'm trying to uh, illustrate this morning. So I'll go ahead and read them. The first one is by Linkin Park, like I said, and it's a song called, What Have I Done? It's, so let mercy come and wash away what I've done. Another one by Linkin Park called, Leave out all the rest. When my time comes, forget the wrong that I've done. A couple from another one of my favorite bands, Mumford and Sons, great name. It says, should you shake my ash to the wind, Lord, forget all my sin. You told me that I would find a hole in my soul, and I have filled this void with things unreal. And all the while, my character steals. It seems that all my bridges have been burnt, but you say that is how grace works. A band, another band that I like called Stained, goes like this. The consequences that are rendered, I stretched myself beyond my means. Why must I feel this way? Just make this go away. Just one more perfect day, or peaceful day. One from Papa Roach. I never realized I was spread too thin till it was too late and I was empty within, hungry, feeding on chaos and living in sin, searching to find a love upon a higher level. I can't go on living this way. And finally, one from Johnny Cash, actually the last song he recorded before he passed away. It says, what have I become, my dearest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end and you can have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will let you hurt. So what's, there's kind of a resounding theme with a lot of these songs. You know, if you look at these musicians, the world would say that they have it all. They have money, they have fame, they have success. They're able to do whatever they want to do, right? They have the money that they need to, you know, travel or whatever. Again, they're kind of living that rock and roll lifestyle I think a lot of people desire. But the truth of the matter is, apart from God, we have nothing. Just like what Joe was talking about, our ultimate joy is found in beholding Jesus Christ. We all 
realize that we're not the people we want to be, and a lot of us struggle, I know I do, struggle with the guilt of past mistakes and past sins, and nothing that the world can offer can ever bridge that gap. You know, fame, fortune, money, travel, it won't bridge that gap. The only answer to true peace and joy is beholding and trusting and knowing Jesus Christ. Which brings me to uh, our first promises. There's a couple of promises I want to go over this morning from Romans chapter 8. So let me read the first one. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And you can read with me. They're on the back screen there. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And the next one is Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will surely live. So what does that mean? You know, let's, let's start with the first verse, Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. So there's no condemnation in sin. There's no condemnation in past uh, mistakes that we've made because Jesus paid it all. Jesus died on the cross and we go to him for forgiveness. When we go to him devoting our lives to follow him, all the sins are, are forgiven, past, present, and future. And there's freedom in that. Jesus doesn't want us to go around with the weight of our sin on our shoulder. He doesn't want that at all. Which leads me to the next uh, verse that we went over, chapter, or excuse me, verse 13. You know, it says that if we if we follow Jesus, you know, if we put the put to death the deeds of the body, if we if we put to death those temptations, those things that we follow day in and day out to try and fill us, other than Jesus Christ, it always leads to emptiness. It always leads to us just wanting more. I don't know how many times in my own life, you know, it's that next promotion or the next house or the next car. And I get fixated on these things, and I I get them, or I don't get them, and either way, I'm left feeling empty. Apart from Jesus, really, there's 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 no way to fill that gap in our in our lives. And as we follow Him, as we resi- resist these temptations, these temptations to, you know, to gossip or sexual temptations, or like you know, Joe mentioned this morning, not to forgive, those always lead to situations where we just are felt empty. You know, sin separates us from Christ, but. As we follow him, God promises in his word to transform our minds, transform our hearts. In fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10.13, in talking to avoiding temptations and that transformation, he says he gives us all the ability we need to resist temptations. And those temptations that we, he knows we can't resist, he takes care of those for us. He doesn't bring those our way, but so we can trust in him. And as we follow him, it says here, as we follow him and we leave, live the life he calls us to live, there's life. There's, there's the life I think that we all would like to have, the life that I know that these uh, musicians would like to have in regards to a life of peace and, and love and, and the ability just to have that release of past mistakes lifted off our shoulders. So again, going back to the quotes that I started off with, if you look at these musicians, again, they, the world would say they have everything, right? What much more would they want? The house, the car, freedom again to do whatever they want. But what we all really want is unending joy, unending peace, and just a release of, uh, of that burden of guilt and sin. And that can't happen apart from Jesus. But it says here, again, in, in, in Romans 8, that we have no condemnation in Christ. That when we're following Him, when we ask for forgiveness, when we seek Him, that in every situation, every sin, past, again, past, present, and future, He always is there to forgive us. And there's freedom in that. When we're following Him, there's absolute freedom in that. And then as we're working and, and, and focusing on trying to follow Him, as He's guiding us with His Spirit to follow His decrees, we can experience true life. And a life that the God of the universe has created for all of us a life worth living, a life that we all desire. And I think that's what we all want, right? I think that's what the world wants. I think that's what I want. I want joy. I want more peace. I, I, and I know that, and I've experienced that, the only way that I can really truly be satisfied and be filled is when I'm focused and living a life where uh, Jesus is the focus. So, you know, this actually just happened to me as well yesterday, kind of in Joe's example. Another example uh, with one of my children. Um, I was wanting one of my daughter's attention. And uh, she was more interested in a toy normally, as she normally is, than, than listening to whatever I had to say. And to be honest with you, looking back, I have no idea what I even wanted. But I know that I wanted her attention. And I got so angry, I yelled and screamed at her. And it, it was completely out of out of anger. And... Uh, 
I got her attention. She turned around, but you know, she turned around. I saw that look of like fear over in her eyes, and I just really my heart broke. And I and I thought, you know, what kind of father am I? I mean, what could I want that was so important and I, that I can't remember today what it was, but that I would out of anger yell at my daughter and not show her grace. And she's, I mean, she's just young. And uh, I just felt that despair and that grief come over me, like, what kind of parent am I? You know, kind of like what those songs were saying, you know, thinking about those past sins or those current sins that we all carry heavy on our heart. And uh, again, I just kind of felt that despair and, and those, those thoughts that come in into my mind, like, you know, how could you do this? And But, you know, I remember this verse, you know, God says there's no condemnation in, in sin. And I immediately asked for forgiveness for, for God. I asked for forgiveness for my daughter. There's reconciliation. And there was a freedom in knowing that, one, that I'm forgiven. And two, that as I focus on him, as I try and live the life, not perfectly, but as I try to live the life and be the father he's called me to be, there's freedom, there's life there. So... In doing that, again, I, I got to experience some of that freedom, that peace, that redemptive power. So in closing today, I just want to encourage you, if this, you know, as we, as we look at these lyrics, as we see what the world has to offer, you know, if, if you're here today and you're feeling kind of that emptiness, that numbness, uh, maybe guilt for past mistakes, that's not what God has in store for us. That's not the type of life that God wants from, for any of us. So I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, seek him out find out what he's all about pray I encourage you because the only way that you can really have that that true satisfying power or that life that he's called us to live is to really know him and if you are following God I know I fall in this all the time I don't feel the life that God has called for me all the time there's many times when I feel just kind of numb and lifeless and that could be for a multitude of reasons. What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on work? Am I focusing on things I shouldn't be? Am I trapped in some type of sin temptation? Well, I encourage you, if that's you this morning, ask for forgiveness. Repent. Ask for God to restore into your hearts that life that he has, that he wants all of us to live. Because, uh, you know, in the end, that's what God's desire is for us, is to have a life of joy and peace. And the only way that we can truly understand or get a chance to know that joy and peace is by following and loving Jesus Christ. So, thank you. So I actually I I know Justin's daughter Colby well and she's she is full of grace and she Justin was just telling me on the way over here this morning she was asking Justin to pray for her so you know she really is a three year old full of faith and she just loves the Lord so I'm going to be talking about Galatians six verses seven to ten and says do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. When I was a little kid, my um, aunt and uncle, my Aunt Betty and Uncle Dwayne, they wanted to tell me and my older brother about the gospel. And my parents stopped them and said, no, 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 let them make their own decision when they grow up. Of course, my aunt, she was not to be deterred. She wanted to do what was right. So she prayed for us. And she prayed for years until I was 10. My older brother was 15 we became believers. And she didn't know, though, when she prayed for us that um, my brother would go on to become a Bible scholar. And she didn't know that I would have an opportunity uh, years later to go to China and spend some uh, about six years there. And she didn't really know, she didn't know that I would have a chance to preach while I was in China at the international church. And there would be a Chinese young lady named Coco would come forward at the end of the service and she would receive Christ into her heart. And that she would love the kids in the church. She, she started teaching Sunday school in the church. 
And she loved the kids so much that she wanted to see all the churches in China have this opportunity to have Sunday schools that were well organized, that would, would really teach the gospel systematically to the kids. And so she had that vision to get trained to do that. And she came to me and asked me for a letter of recommendation to go to Liberty University in Virginia. She went there, got training how to teach kids Sunday school, and she went back to China. I just got to meet her uh, this summer, and it was it was wonderful. She's now teaching um, house church leaders how to train Sunday school teachers. And because my aunt prayed years ago, and she persisted in doing what was right, she had no idea, but God brought about probably thousands of kids are going to be saved because now these kids are getting to hear the gospel. And my Aunt Betty, she's, she can, kept on serving the Lord and, and her church until she was almost 85 and she went to be with the Lord. But the message here is, we sow a little bit, but God, God reaps for us eternal life. And it's not only for us, but for others. And it's an amazing thing. You know, when we uh, go to the movies, we oftentimes hear people say, I just want to be happy, or I just want you to be happy. But actually, that's not the goal of life. God promises a harvest if we keep doing good. Sometimes, you know, when people get unhappy with their job, they just want to leave. And I'm not saying that you would never want to leave your job, but there's a lot of times um, people just have we have conflicts, and it's good for us to keep on doing what's right and and to do what's good and not to give up. Sometimes it's good to stay and, and reconcile with people that that treat us badly at work, and to slog through difficult work. And to serve God by doing that work with integrity over a period of time. And it's good to go against the tide and to do what's right and to say, tell people the truth, even when other people would like to say what makes them look good. And that doesn't necessarily make us unhappy. But that kind of persistence in doing what's right, that that's what God wants from us. And Another thing is when people have conflict in the church, a lot of times they just want to leave. But wouldn't it be better for us to do good to our brothers and sisters in Christ and forgive each other and reconcile to love each other? You know, my Uncle Dwayne, um, he said, last year I became the caregiver and she was the receiver. We really reversed roles. See, the last year, my aunt was incapacitated. She couldn't really do things anymore, and my uncle had to take care of her. But he didn't give up, and, and he just had this love for her after six, more than 60 years of marriage. You could see the, how the love grew in her heart, and that's one of the things where, you know, in marriage... Every marriage, there's conflict, there's trials that we go through, but it's worth it to go through that and to stick it out because we will reap a reward at the end. Just read a quote from uh, Mushrooms on the Moor by Frank Borum. It says, I have several times known that peculiarly acute species of anguish that comes when man, upon whose integrity I would cheerfully have staked everything I possessed, suddenly whelmed themselves in shame and staggered out into the dark. And what he's talking about in the context there was a lot of times men get into their 40s and they get facing the pressures of life and they struggle and, and they, they give up on their marriage and they go out and find an, another woman. They're not faithful. And how, that, how tragic that is. And that doesn't just impact them, but everybody around them. And it's so much better for us to see the reward that God has and being faithful and hanging in there for years and being faithful when things get tough. The last example I want to share is Hudson Taylor. 
about 150 years ago, he prayed for one missionary couple to go to every province of China. And in the process of fulfilling that vision, he suffered a lot of things. And he was sick, and he was bedridden. For a period of time, he was paralyzed in bed. He couldn't even lift a pen to write letters. But God healed him. And he kept on being faithful even when his wife died from sickness there. And when the workers faced dangers and some of them were killed, he kept on. Last week in our bulletin, there was a great quote from Hudson Taylor. It said, It's a joy to work for such a master. My soul is often filled to overflowing, and it is an honor to be spent in such a cause. If the labor is great and the difficulties numerous and formidable, the strength, all might according to his glorious power, is greater, and the reward will be so too. Now it's 150 years later, and there are close to 100 million believers in China because God put faith in that one man, and he's continued to serve. So we can never underestimate the greatness of God in fulfilling his promises. Let's keep doing good because his reward is awesome. Good morning. Um, I'm David, and uh, about a month ago, my wife and Lenora and I celebrated our 20th anniversary in Monterey. And we were walking around Monterey, and we went into this bakery. And it was a wonderful bakery. It had all these little uh, pastries. It had um, had fruit tarts, but it also had Napoleon and these uh, pastries that looked like potatoes and American flags and pineapple upside-down cake. And uh, you know, I wasn't even hungry, but I wanted to buy them all because they look so good. And that's how it was with trying to uh, pick a promise to share with you this morning. You know, uh, God's given us so many good ones, it's hard to choose just one. And uh, it made me think about why God has given us so many promises. You know, he could have just given us one good, big promise, like, I will always take care of you, and, and let that be enough for all of life's problems. But in God's love, um, he's given us many problems so that we would know in every situation that he will give us just what we need. Uh, it was a few days later that I was still struggling, and I, I prayed to God for guidance. Okay, what, what verse should I pick? And it was then that I, I had one of the worst days I've had in a long time. Uh, I had work stress because people on my team weren't working on my project that I was responsible for. I had a bad Skype call with my parents. Um, I had a financial issue that was giving me stress, and then a home project also turned out poorly. And, uh, you know, I realized I needed peace, and that God has given me an answer to my prayer through this bad day. He pointed me to Isaiah 26.3, uh, which says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And uh, so... Um, Isaiah 26.3 describes to us how to obtain that peace. First, it's from God. Okay? It, it doesn't come from generating good thoughts or feelings or having a changed attitude. This is something that's given by God, uh, just as Jesus told his disciples, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And in Philippians 4, it talks about when we pray that the peace of God uh, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And Isaiah 26.3 also tells us what we should do in order to receive this peace. Uh, it says that we should have our minds stayed on him and that we should trust in him. And so I, I really like that first part about having my thoughts fixed on God. So I said, okay, it's been a bad day. I'll go for a nighttime jog and I'll have my mind stayed on God and that'll give me peace. And so uh, so I, I went jogging, and for the first quarter mile, I was just thinking, okay, mind stayed on God, mind stayed on God. And nothing was happening. You know, I, I realized, okay, I'm, I'm just thinking about the phrase, mind stayed on God, which isn't really the same as having my thoughts fixed on God. So I started 
thinking about God's attributes. Oh, you know, he's holy, he's almighty, he's loving and merciful. Um, about mile one, I started thinking about God's faithfulness in the past, how David defeated Goliath with just a sling and the Lord's help, how um, Abraham had a son in his old age, and how the lions didn't eat Daniel. And I thought about Jesus, how he, you know, he came to earth to explain the Father to us, how he healed the sick, how he cared for the downcast, how he died on the cross and was raised again so that we could be saved. And I remembered that you know, my life is hidden with Christ in God, and I have a future with him no matter what trials I face on earth. And of course, by this time, I am starting to feel some peace. You know, I was feeling that, oh, God's so much bigger than all my problems, and uh, he's so good to me. And so, you know, at that time, I said, okay, maybe I'll take a peek at all my problems and see if they're still giving me stress. Now, reading Isaiah 26.3, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not, but, but I did. And so, um, so I looked at my work situation. Oh, it's it still bad. You know, I, I have a project and a deadline, and no work is getting done on it. But God reminded me of a different pro- uh, promise, Joshua 1.8, which says that God will give good success when I live my life according to his word. And so I, I chose to remember God's faithfulness in the past and to trust him for his success. And then I looked at the financial situation. This was a, it was a document that was lost in the mail, uh, likely unrecoverable, and uh, I had no control over it. But God re- reminded me of a, another verse, Philippians 4.19, where it says that he will meet he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so um, I said, yeah, you know, even if this situation doesn't come, come about well, you know, all my needs will be supplied by God. And uh, how about my parents? Uh, so I had a Skype call with my parents. My mom was being critical of me. And, uh, you know, my dad said, okay, he didn't think he wanted to study the Bible with me. I had been hoping to read the Gospel of John with my dad uh, via email. He just became a Christian last Thanksgiving at the age of 86. And uh, I was wondering, okay, is he going to uh, you know, keep in the faith or is he going to get discouraged from it? And uh, in John 10, uh, Jesus said, my father is greater than all. And it says that no one can snatch any one of uh, his flock out of his hand. And so I, I remember, you know, if, if God has called my, my dad, nothing will snatch him away. And lastly, my, my home project. Okay, this was just, uh, you know, it's a trivial project of making some iron-on T-shirts. Um, but even then, God gave me a verse about not loving the things of this world, and it gave me the, the proper perspective on my problem. So as I finished my three miles, you know, did I have perfect peace? I don't, I don't know how to judge perfect, but I definitely felt God's peace. As I mentioned before, my, my attitude and my perspective on my problems changed, but I don't think that was the, the peace of God. Uh, the peace of God was given to me in my heart as, uh, as the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit to remember his love and his grace. My mind was stayed on God. Um, I trusted in him, and he gave me his perfect peace. Okay, now I've realized I've cheated here, and I've brought in all kinds of other promises into this message. And I'll let you know that I, I bought more than one pastry from the Monterey Bakery shop as well. <laughs> uh, sometimes things are so good that you, it's hard to limit yourself to just one, and God's promises are like that. I hope that my testimony of God's faithfulness uh, this morning will be an encouragement to you to always turn to God and to remember his many, many promises whenever you face life's trials and struggles. God bless you. Good morning. Uh, My name is Scott. And today I'm going to be talking about uh, a passage, uh, Matthew 11, 28, uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. It's Jesus speaking. It's on the screen there. Um, that's that's the promise I want to speak about today. Um, if you want to find it in the Bibles that were passed out, it's uh, page 816. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you <clears throat> and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this passage brings to mind, I kind of get this rural sense from the passage, you know, the yoke. And so a picture kind of came to my mind of a poor tenant farmer. He's, he's trying to plow this field. It's, it's rocky, hard soil. He's got a couple of oxen pulling the plow. And um, it's the heat of the day. It's really hot. He's making like no progress. He's exhausted. The animals are exhausted. He's just worn out, and he's not getting anywhere. He's only gone a few hundred yards of, of field, and he's got a whole bunch yet to plow, and, and he's just really frustrated. And uh, the, uh, the land, uh, landowner comes up to him and says, You know, friend, come here. Have a seat in the shade here. Here's a, here's a cold, ice-cold glass of water. I've got a, a rich field, really good soil. It's already plowed. You can plant there, free of charge. Totally different feel there. It's just like you're you're exhausted, you're you're tired, and and now you have this gift of the field already all plowed, and I can plant there for free. So let's look again at at, at verse twenty-eight, where it says, uh, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." And what's amazing is, is Jesus' rest is eternal rest. It's perfect rest. It's even better than the picture that I, you know, that I just described. It's awesome. So if we respond to the invitation um, from Jesus to come to him, he, he says also, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does that mean? Take my yoke upon me. I think I think what it means is it's it's abandoning abandoning control. It's it's really making Jesus the Lord of your life. It's it's about putting down the yoke of of trying to earn your salvation by yourself, or putting down the yoke of trying to fill myself with satisfaction from from the from this world, you know, things that aren't really going to satisfy. It's about putting on the yoke of Jesus, following him and learning from him, making him the Lord of our life. If we put put on the yoke and learn from him, we'll find rest for our souls today and forever. And that rest is rest from the burden of our sin, rest from trying to earn salvation by ourselves, Rest from trying to fill myself with the things of this world, like like uh, what uh, Justin was saying. Um, it's 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 you know it's true rest. And what's amazing is we're not we're not surrendering our life. Um, our you know we're not putting on his yoke. That surrender to him and making him the Lord of our life is not a surrender to an angry God. Or an oppressive God? No, no. He's he's a loving Savior. He knows he's he knows our human frailties because he he came here. He tells us he's gentle and lowly in heart. He loves us so much, and the blessings that he has in star in store for us so great that the burdens the burden is no burden at all. If we have eyes of faith and we really understand what Jesus has for us, we understand that in spite of the suffering and the persecution we should expect as followers of him, that he tells us that, we understand that the yoke is indeed easy and the burden is light if we, if we really see that what God has in store for us. The portion of this uh, passage that I, just, I treasure the most is that phrase, rest for your souls. That rest for your souls is better than my greatest imaginings. You know, what's the best rest I can think of? Um, 
perfect contentedness for all my senses of of like having a tasty meal, really good tasting meal, satisfying my hunger, or having like a really nice cold glass of water when I'm really thirsty and drinking that and just being really having my thirst quenched, or having my lungs filled with uh, clean, cool pine-scented air, just. Or my eye is filled with just just an awesome sunset. Or my mind um, thinking about just all the the beauty of this world and the amazing creation that that God's created. Or just uh, just being in a state of total relaxation and peace after a hard day's work. All those things, God's rest is going to be way better than that. Better than I can possibly imagine. An example of, of how God really um, showed me his rest um, uh, came to me, kind of I experienced that when I was, I, I was working on a project three years ago or so at my work, and it was a, it was a very high visibility project. You know, everybody at the, the plant site knew about it. We talked about it in our, uh, you know, company, company-wide meetings and stuff, and, and so it had a lot of visibility, and I was stressed. I mean, I really wanted to do well. I wanted to get the project completed on time and be successful, and honestly, I felt over my head. I, fe- I felt in over my head, and I worked crazy hours, and I expected the people around me to work crazy hours, too, and honestly, I, I contemplated. I, I just I wanted to succeed. I wanted that, that, that project to, to, to happen, and so at some point, I even actually contemplated quitting just to avoid the, the potential of failing on this project. And so I just I felt anxious and burdened, and I was placing the focus on me. Like, I can control this. I can work hard. I can get this done. And just being filled with that anxiousness and that burden, I, I just I prayed. I turned to God, and I realized that I didn't need to serve. It wasn't about trying to succeed at the job for my own sake or for my own, you know, making myself look good or for my paycheck or even for my career so that if I can succeed at this job, then, you know, that'll be better for my career. None of that matters. It's really about looking to God and like honoring Him, serving Him in my work and putting Him first, putting His yoke on. Put, making him the Lord of my life. And when I did that, the, all these huge like work issues, they, they, they shrink. They're tiny. They're inconsequential when, when I'm realizing that God is the God of the universe. He's in control of everything. I don't have to worry about the outcome. That's in his hands. I just need to serve him. And, and it's not a perfect thing for me. It was this was kind of an ongoing thing, but it really when I prayed and I realized that he was in control, that really did shrink the problem and give me peace. So I would just encourage all of you to take Jesus' words to heart, to trust in his promise that if you come to him and allow him to be the Lord of of your life, you will receive true rest for your souls, both today and in eternity. So, the verse is up here. I was wondering if everybody could read the verse with me, the words of Jesus here. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. Man, promises are good. I just, you read that stuff and you hear it and it's like, yeah, I, my, I need that stuff. Uh, so, what was your promise that you just felt like God was speaking to you? Was it that as you're trying to love others, how, where's your joy coming from? You know, what Joe is talking about in terms of uh, being able to abide in his love and being able to not just have a little eensy teensy bit of joy, but fullness of joy, to have just bubbling up joy inside of you. Uh, the other one uh, Justin was talking about in terms of uh, Romans 8, one being no condemnation. Of, do you feel weighed down by your sins? And realizing that when you come to Jesus, 
when you can lay your burdens at his feet and your sins at his feet and not have any condemnation. And coupled with that, I mean, they kind of go together, is the idea of uh, putting to death your deeds of sin and being able to then uh, have life. So you can turn aside from that sin and really seek life. Uh, it's great to have both those coupled together. Um, Galatians 6, 9 was talking about being weary. Do you feel weary in just where your life is at, that you're doing the same thing and you're not sure what's the purpose in all this? And you're just kind of weighed down with the weariness of, of doing those good things. The promise of not being weary in that because you do have eternal life, that there is life again in doing those things. Uh, Isaiah 26, um, perfect peace. The idea of actually having that peace, that it's not just about uh, you know, thinking good thoughts or somehow that you know, you're going to think about good things. It's funny, I was talking to someone at work and they were just saying, you just have to think happy thoughts and somehow that's going to give you peace. It's like, no, <laughs> there is perfect peace when you focus on God and you put your trust in him. And Isaiah 26 talks about those two things, having your mind on him and trusting in him. And then also Matthew 11:28. again, that idea of real rest, not just superficial where you take a nap and you kind of feel refreshed, but rest deep down in your soul where you don't have the yoke of this world bearing down on top of you of you need to please your boss, you need to please your wife, you need to have everyone else approve of what you're doing. No, all that you can put aside, that is just weighing you down. You can put on the yoke of Jesus and you have rest deep in your soul. And just some awesome promises there. So I encourage you to hang on to one of those, memorize it, so that when you're going through your day-to-day life, that comes to mind. You don't, it's not, well, I need to think good thoughts now. No, you, you can think about truths that really impact your soul in the middle of those burdens of your day. So I encourage you to memorize one of those uh, promises. Um, we're going to wrap up, and I would just say that if you feel like God's been stirring something in your soul, you've just got something weary that is hanging on to you, don't leave with that. We're here, and we believe that God will answer prayers, and we want to pray for you. So don't leave. If uh, you've got something on your heart, come on up forward. We want to pray for you um, because we want to see God do something in your heart and change you today. Uh, he does want to do that. So uh, please stand. Um, let's go ahead and close out. Father, we are so grateful that you do give us promises. We're so grateful that you don't let us to our own devices, but you sent Jesus to redeem our souls. Lord, we have so much hope in Jesus. He is our hope. And we thank you for your son. We thank you for your promises of what you're doing through your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we just want to magnify and glorify your name. We want our hope and our trust to be founded in you from this day forth. So God, put these promises in our heart that we would trust you and take you at your word because you are all that we have to live for, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.